It was a summer evening when the fortune teller arrived in town. The heat rested over everything like a thin film. Her caravan was ornately decorated. Constellations carved into the wood, gilded with paint that sparkled under the moon's glow. He stared, rapt, as the caravan trundled through town, pulled by a pale grey horse, its master cloaked in a hood the colour of midnight, only a flash of skin visible where her bare feet weren't covered by her gown. The women ushered their children away, whispering tales of curses and witchcraft as the men stole glances over their shoulders. He followed the caravan until it halted on a small patch of grass and wildflowers beside the canal, at the end of the cobbled path from the centre of town. The cloaked figure slipped down from her seat. She unfurled a banner with the words, Fortune Teller, See Into Your Future, painted in elaborate gold lettering, and tied it to the side of her caravan that faced the path back up to the marketplace. A group of visibly wealthy young men had gathered, watching intently as she freed her horse from its bridle. For supposedly respectable gentlemen, their stares were ravenous. It was not their fortunes they wanted her to show them. She climbed into the caravan without even glancing at them, and the men left, smirking to themselves that they would return tomorrow when they hadn't spent all their silver on drink. But one of the men lingered, then dashed back down the path towards her camp, driven by the fragrant alcohol coursing through his blood. There was a small white candle lit in the tiny window, casting just enough light to steal a glimpse inside the caravan. He pressed his palms and forehead to the cool square of glass, thirstily drinking in the barest sliver of her moon-pale skin. Fueled now by the desire sitting like a hot stone in his belly, he went to the front of the caravan to yank open the door. As he gripped the golden doorknob, the skin on his palm cracked and blackened until his arm fell limp at his side. He yelped and cursed as he stumbled back, tripping over his feet as he ran back towards the safety of the gaslit path to the market. The fortune teller appeared like a ghost at the window and extinguished her candle. By sunrise, she was already the subject of rumour. Every group that passed left behind them a thread of whispers, unravelling the story of a man who visited the night flower and left with a nasty burn on his hand. Some reckoned she must have held a candle to his skin in some kind of perverse sexual act. Some thought it the mark of the devil. Others speculated about black magic. Regardless of the details, the fortune teller seemed always the villain of the story. Though in spite of the gossip, a small crowd of curious folk had gathered outside, waiting for her services. She swung open the creaky wooden door and beckoned her first customer from behind a swathe of velvet draped over the opening. Tenuously, the crowd shuffled forwards. Her patrons were mostly girls. Rich, young girls, stealing away from their maidservants for a thrilling few minutes, full of questions of suitors and romance. 
he eavesdropped on a couple, listening to the fortune teller tease them. She would watch their naive eyes light up as she turned over the Knight of Pentacles, then the lovers, smirking as their fragile hopes crumpled with a final three of swords, before they were inevitably found and dragged whimpering away by their ignorant guardians. Her first day in town passed in much the same way, until he finally poked his head around the curtain. His wide eyes and shaggy hair the colour of damp sand made him look younger than he was. He loitered in the doorway until she called him inside. He had no money to speak of, other than a few copper pennies which he did not intend to part with. But as the sky had turned a brooding grey, and a spattering of rain had chased away her small crowd of paying customers, she begrudgingly invited the boy inside to shelter from the weather for a while. Behind the thick indigo curtain that hung like a cloak across the doorway, the room was candlelit. The fortune teller sat cross-legged on the floor, her hair as white as starlight, her eyes a deep nautical blue, her face still kissed by youth. Around her were cabinets and shelves, full of trinkets and curiosities. Glossy black crystals, jars of dried flower petals, the bleached skulls of animals, dusty tomes adorned with a language nobody could read. The air was perfumed with jasmine. Between her and the door was a small table, covered with a black cloth. On it were more of the shiny black crystals, a pile of silver coins and an iridescent ball perched on a stand which looked like the feet of a crow. She had a deck of cards fanned out in front of her, face down. The fortune teller studied his expression carefully. It was clear that she found his arrival irksome at first, but she seemed to warm to him when she found only curiosity and a faint hint of fear in his eyes. None of the heat or urgency she was so used to extracting from a male gaze. He was mesmerised by everything around him. He pawed at the velvet cushions like a kitten, twirling the tassels around his finger. His eyes followed shards of light that danced across the walls, splintered by the crystal hanging in the caravan's tiny window. He drank it all in. No sooner had he marvelled at one thing, his searching eyes caught the next, and his chest puffed up with wonder anew. He trailed a grubby finger along the edge of a shelf lined with jars and corked bottles, nearly knocking one from its place and trembling in horror. But the fortune teller smirked and motioned for him to sit. He tentatively lowered himself onto a cushion, luxuriating in its softness. The fortune teller poured steaming amber tea from a metal pot into two small glasses, hand-painted with an intricate pattern in gold. What is it? he asked, his wanting hand tied to his side by uncertainty. It's not poison, if that's what you think. With an entertaining show of bravado, the boy nodded and gulped down the contents of the glass in one mouthful. Whether to prove he wasn't afraid of her, or to prove that no poison could affect such a strong boy, he was not sure. But he nearly choked on it as the spicy black tea inside was still scalding hot. He sheepishly put the glass back on its polished silver tray and thanked her, 
lisping slightly with his burnt tongue. He found himself utterly fascinated as she answered his endless stream of questions while steadily sipping her tea. His hands were as curious as his mind, and quickly his slim fingers slipped under a cloth and found some hidden treasure concealed underneath. He lifted up a large jar. The glass was misty, and its contents rattled like bones when he shook it. "'What's in here?' he asked. "'My collection,' she replied. "'Of?' "'The teeth of the people who have crossed me,' she said with a dark expression that he could not read. He inspected the jar, then the fortune-teller's face, then the jar once more. As he looked back at her, he convinced himself that she was merely trying to scare him, and a wonky grin unfurled across his face. The fortune-teller reciprocated, but the darkness in her eyes was not lit by the warmth of her smile. He handed back the jar and abruptly changed the subject. Can you tell my future, madame? Only if you cross my palm with silver. He fished around in his pocket for his pennies and looked at them lovingly as he turned them over in his palm. Put your coins away, boy, she said with a wry smile and began to shuffle her cards. She spread them before her, each card black-backed with ornate gilded corners, identical to the one either side. She motioned for him to choose his card. He looked up at the fortune teller for an uncomfortable moment to search her eyes for some indication of which one to choose, but there was nothing. Holding his breath, he outstretched a hand and hovered it over one of the cards. His expression darkened with worry, "'What if it's bad?' he asked. The fortune teller's smile widened, but she said nothing. He placed a tentative finger on his card, slid it towards him, and turned it face up. Fear gripped him so tightly that he sprang to his feet and stumbled backwards towards the door before he had even heard an explanation. With wobbling legs, he lingered a moment at the doorway, remembering his manners. He may have been a street urchin, but he was not rude. Excuse me, madame, I I didn't even ask your name. His voice cracked as he spoke, though he was trying so desperately to hide his fear. The fortune teller swallowed down a smirk, but he saw it, and his cheeks flushed, pink and hot. Esme. Well, it was a pleasure to meet you, madame Esme. I promise I'll visit you again while you're in town if I can find myself some silver. Any time, the fortune teller responded, and with that he jumped down the steps of the caravan and bolted up the cobbled path, dodging puddles as he did. As his fear subsided, for the first time in his pitiful life, he felt what he decided was respect. Esme respected him, and for that he adored her. The usual gang of brats were waiting for him. Their hulking ringleader blocked his path, wearing his most intimidating expression, the way he always did. He felt the boy's chubby fist mash into his cheek and staggered backwards, landing on his back in a puddle of murky rainwater. He felt a trail of slimy, warm saliva slide down his cheek and onto his neck, then a kick to his ribs, knocking the breath from his lungs and leaving behind a sharp pain that needled him as he moved. 
the others rifled through his pockets, grabbing whatever they found before running gleefully away. He lay on his side on the ground for a second, the gritty rainwater stinging his grazed cheek, and fished in his pocket for the coins, but they were all gone. His hand sat heavy in his empty pocket. He wished that he had given his precious coppers to the fortune teller. But instead of languishing in his despair, this time he felt imbued with a strength he had never felt before. He balled his fist so hard his nails dug into the palm of his hand. This time he would not back down. He would show them. He jumped to his feet and ran full pelt after the little gang. He launched himself at the big one, grabbed a fistful of his hair and yanked his head backwards. Propelled by this newfound strength, he hit him so hard in the face, he knocked his front tooth clean from his mouth and sent it flying across the cobblestones. The minions fled, and the big boy, now dribbling blood from his swollen lip, wore a mixture of horror and shame as he threw the coins to the floor with a clang and shambled away, looking dazed. As the victor collected his coins, he spotted the tooth, glistening white amongst the grey cobblestones. He picked it up and stuffed it into his pocket with his money. He would show Esme, and she would be proud of him. As dusk began to fall, he managed to steal a chunk of bread, some cheese and an apple from the market stalls as they were packing up for the night. He wolfed down his dinner, and intended to take the apple as a small offering to Esme, who he figured would be hungry. He hadn't seen her leave the caravan all day. He had been meandering down the cobbled street towards her camp, thumbing the tooth in his pocket, when he encountered a group of toffs, gin-soaked and staggering even then. One of them shoved him out of the way, so hard that he dropped his prized apple, and it rolled down the filthy street into a gutter, He was about to retrieve the ruined apple and fling it at the back of the man's head when he noticed one of them break from the group and head towards Esme's camp while the others bundled into a nearby pub. He followed him from a distance and cowered in the shadows as he approached. He could just see her through the window. She seemed to steel herself as though she knew he was coming. She was tough, not like these waifs that breezed in during the day, but entertaining men like that was not without its risks. They all seemed to want her. Young ones bulging with entitlement, old ones rotten to their cores, ill intentions written on their skin, seeping from their pores. He could smell it on them like sweat, and he wondered what business she could possibly have with them. Then he heard it. Thump, thump, thump. At least this one was polite enough to knock. To his surprise, Esme opened the door. The man clearly took that as an invitation and barged his way inside, so he decided to head back into town and wait a while before paying her a visit himself. Whatever she was up to, she was entitled to her privacy. A long, uncomfortable time had passed. The evening air had chilled to a nighttime cold. He saw from the pub another of the earlier groups stomp out and stride purposefully down towards the caravan site. The boy was sure he hadn't seen the other man return, then wondered if this was one of those things he was just too young to understand. 
He knew about prostitutes. He saw them all the time. But Esme wasn't like them. Maybe that's why they wanted her, and not the grimy-looking girls that were usually available around here. He decided he would go and check on her after the two of them were gone, to make sure she was all right, and that they hadn't hurt her. After the third one left the pub, he had had enough. He followed the man down the path, making sure to stay just far enough back as not to rouse suspicion. He took a risk this time, darting from the shadows to duck underneath the caravan as the man took the steps two at a time. What he saw next would haunt him for the rest of his life. The wood above his head creaked as the man stepped inside. A low giggle, then a thud. All went silent for a moment, then the moaning started. An elongated, low-pitched moan. But it wasn't Esme. It was the man. And it wasn't a pleasurable moaning. He was in pain. He cried out, but it was quickly muffled. The boy's heart fluttered and made his breath short. Then a cacophony of stumbling, breaking wood and smashing glass. The caravan door flew open, and the third man leapt out onto the grass. He was completely naked. The flesh hung from his face, blackened like meat on a fire. His lips were peeled back from his gums. His one eye was white and glazed. His genitals were gone, shriveled away to all but a flap of discoloured skin. One of his legs was dragging behind him as he tried to run. The boy retched in revulsion, and the man span around and saw him with his one good eye. It was as though the horror of his appearance was reflected back at him, for he let out a chilling scream and ran off the towpath and straight into the thick, grey water of the canal below. Without hesitation, he darted out from under the caravan and ran back up the path as fast as he could. By now, bystanders were spilling out onto the street to investigate the commotion. Swaying drunks, homeless beggars, and of course, the rest of the group of men he'd seen earlier. One of them caught him, grabbing him by his collar as he tried to pass the crowd outside the pub. He lifted him off the floor and shook him violently. What did you see? What happened? He was with Esme, sir. I think he was trying to hurt her. He wished he could stuff the words back into his mouth. To tell them she was his friend, not a prostitute, but it was no use. He had betrayed her. And for what? Vitriol was building around him, rising like bile as people began to gather. The pious and the poor united in their outrage. He elbowed his way through the army of legs that had set off thundering down the path towards Esme's caravan, and ran until his lungs felt crushed and his vision swam like a drunk. He had to warn her. But Esme was not there. The caravan, the horse, everything. Nothing was left, not even a divot in the grass where her wheels had stood. The squawking mob spilled out onto the campsite, but upon finding it utterly deserted, they swiftly divided down the canal towpath, one group eyeing the water for the man's body, the others ravenously searching for their white-haired devil. With the crowd dispersing, the boy noticed a woman hanging back from the others. 
She was curiously beautiful, in a way that disarmed him. Her wavy hair was so dark it was almost blue, like the sky at night reflected on the surface of water. Her eyes were a gloomy green, like a forest in shadow. She wore a wispy dress of white lace and no shoes. He tentatively edged closer to her, his eyes flickering with recognition. He was sure he had seen her face before, but he could not say where or when. She stared back at him, and he flushed with momentary embarrassment. When she approached, he instinctively held out his hand, and in his outstretched palm, she placed a card. He looked down, his face drained to a pallid grey, and a wave of nauseating cold washed over his skin, and it prickled with goosebumps. As he looked up, the woman was gone without a trace save for the card that sat like a weight in his hand.